Sunstrom Recruitment are the leaders in health and safety recruitment. If you're considering a career change or need to discuss your organisation's hiring, reach out to the team today. We were awarded Recruitment Agency of the Year in Health and Safety in 2023 and are a proud sponsor of Health and Safety Conversations. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewellery. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewellery of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to Health and Safety Conversations. Here's your host, Tom Bourne. Hi, and welcome to Health and Safety Conversations. I'm your host, Tom Bourne, and with me today is the awesome Gavin Coyle, all the way from Dublin. Gavin, how are you? I'm great. I'm really looking forward to talking to you about all things health and safety today. That's fantastic, Gavin. I've done a little bit of research on you leading into the interview, but there are many people who, perhaps in the Southern Hemisphere, haven't heard of you. For those, could you uh, tell us a bit about you, your journey in safety, and more importantly, what you're currently up to. Yeah, so I left school, went straight into the construction sector, started working as a labourer on construction projects. And at the time, there was a large influx into Ireland from multinational American companies that were looking to get a footprint into Europe. And they basically were using Ireland as their first land base, if you like, to, to build these hyperscale projects. So with them, they brought a lot of standards and models on health and safety that we weren't used to because we just hadn't seen that sort of scale of, of construction in the past in Ireland. And so I suppose the contractor that I was working for, they didn't really, have, there was no such thing really at the time of a full-time safety officer in Ireland back in those days. Yeah, it's, it's a requirement now and it's actually brought into legislation. But back then, um, you know, you might have one person looking after health and safety, but you wouldn't have a full-time health and safety presence on a project. And so the finger was pointed at me because it came straight out of school that, hey, we don't have time for this. Um, <laughs> you're going to do that. <laughs> so, yeah, I went to a meeting and I kind of got labelled as the safety officer for the project. You know, again, 
no formal kind of qualification, which wouldn't happen today. Um, and it just showed sort of the how far back behind the times we were. Um, that you know, I was given that sort of responsibility at a very young age to assess the risk of the guys, which also gives you an indication of the culture. Um, and it wasn't just that contractor; it was the general culture in the industry or in the in the country at the time. Moving forward, I suppose that company started then using me for all of their projects. So I would, you know, travel to other parts of Europe and mainly UK and oversee the health and safety or see what way health and safety is being managed on those projects and then working with the site managers to try and get the best out of them for health and safety. And at that time, in fairness to the company that I was working for, they did pay for my education. And I suppose within the first two years, we I was on a project, a Four Seasons Hotel project that we were building. And I got a severe knock on the cabin door to say that there was a man down. And we rushed out to the to the project and there was a young one of our young guys had fallen headfirst into a hole. So we got him out of the hole and myself and himself went into the ambulance now. He was in a, a lot of distress and there was a lot of trauma. And uh, he died from his injuries less than two days later. And you know, it, was, it was shocking. And when you look back at it now, there was no counselling or no support services or no discussion. Even f- never mind uh, me, but even for the the workers that you know uh, had a good bond with this young guy, and I suppose then within twenty four months of that, I had a personal tragedy where my brother drowned along with two other of his friends. They just finished up school and they were throwing a football to each other, and the at the Atlantic Ocean, and uh, a freak wave came in and brought them out to sea, and I think it was about two days before we found the body. But I suppose from a personal point of view and from a career point of view, I had two very uh, traumatic moments that sort of shaped me as a person in terms of where I was going with health and safety in particular and whether I was cut out for it or whether I had the stomach, you know, it's all right saying that you're going to do these jobs and, you know, money uh, makes the world go around. But when, uh, when the reality of health and safety hits home, which is what happened in that case, I had to have a serious chat with myself, whether I, you know, had the 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 stomach and whether I had the the tools to go into this market. So, got a very young, got a lesson at a very young age, which stood to me, to be fair. But I can see from other people, and I've, I've, I've you know, I've actually had a, a lot of conversations with a lot of people about how they react in, you know, catastrophic, traumatic situations. And everybody acts differently. And for some reason, I was calm and collected and I was measured. Whether that was just trying to take it all in, I don't know. But it was just the way I reacted. And I suppose other people would react differently. And, you know, we don't really know how we're going to react until something like that is uh, is put in front of us. Yeah, that's absolutely so, true. Here I am today. Yeah, I have a couple of businesses in health and safety and I've had businesses in the past. And we represent some major companies in the coil group in terms of helping them understand the legislative requirements and then talking about strategy, but also supplying them with manpower, health and safety manpower. So wind energy, utilities and power generation. And then we have this gavin-coil.com website, which is targeted at helping construction owners who might think that health and safety is too much of a mountain to climb and it's cost too much. And we we want to tell them that that's not the case. And we've got 
great case studies and demonstrations and tools and techniques of how they can work smartly, work safely, and they can actually turn their safety department into a profit center. Um, hence the book I wrote, uh, Workplace Safety on a Budget. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Now, safety as safety as profit and compliance center, not just compliance operator. It's 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 a good catchphrase. It's 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 something that when I heard it, it made me think. Can you explain how that works? Because I would suggest that 99% of businesses see safety purely as a compliance type exercise. Yes, they do care about their people, but in the end, the business is there to make money. And so they know there might be penalties attached, but they're basically trying to just meet legal obligations. Is 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 that fairly accurate? Okay, like yeah, uh, let's just call a spade a spade. Um, mm. The health and safety people and the health and safety influence is not getting to the boardroom level, and health and safety influencing is not being addressed at the board at the board table. You know. Health and safety would be brought up in the first five minutes. Yes, it would, 100%. And they would talk about leading lagging indicators, accidents and incidents, and then the overall budget on safety and where they're at with that. And then the conversation moves straight into growth and scale and operations, and general operations. Health and safety then is finished at that stage. If you're lucky to be at the table as a safety professional, which I have been, um, and it's a very rare occasion that you'd come across health and safety professionals, in the boardroom at, at, at that level. And this is where we feel the problem is, is because the old adage, if you like, of telling the business owner, if you don't do this, you're going to go to jail. If you don't do this, you're going to get fined. If you don't do this, it's kind of the fear factor, you know. The the, the, the business owners are desensitized to that information now these days. They don't, that doesn't mean anything to them anymore. They've heard it all before. It's kind of like the, the boy cried, cried wolf and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They know they do enough. They know that they're not reckless. So they know that, you know, the chances of going to jail is kind of slim. Yes, they don't want to, to kill people. But this 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 old communication method of telling them that they're going to go to jail and they're going to be prosecuted and they're going to lose loads of money, it doesn't wash anymore. Mm. The only thing that's going to win the hearts and minds of the business owners is to tell them, look, I think if we work together, we could reduce the cost of health and safety by up to 50% for the business. However, with a caveat saving that we make, I want you to use some of that, yes, for your profit and for your cash flow, 100%. But I also want you to use it for repurposing into better equipment. I want you to hire smarter people that cost more money that are going to bring us forward as a company. And, you know, I want you to invest in programs that actually have an impact on the business that, from a safety perspective that we can see and we can measure that success. And I don't see enough of that. And that's why... We've got a, a, a number of different avenues for business owners to look at in terms of how to turn this whole model of health and safety into a profit center for them. And we've got some really good case studies of where we've worked with companies and one particular where we've they've made over a million euro based on that logic of looking at safety as a profit center, not just a behind center. Yeah, excellent. I would, I would, I would think you, you, you grab the attention of any CEO with uh, cutting the safety budget by fifty percent. Do you have trouble with the second part of that about you are going to re 
you are going to be committed to reinvesting some of that back into the business for better equipment, better safety measures, et cetera, like that? I haven't at this at this point. I haven't because you know it all depends on on the type of company you're talking to and the type of budget that they have. You know, if they're not spending that much on safety anyway, up to fifty percent, it's not going to be that much <laughs> that they would be able to reinvest. Yeah. So, like, if you're talking to small to medium enterprises, you know, you're you're talking about a small enough sort of save saving on the capex or the the overall budget for that particular department. However, it might actually pay for the likes of you know, a a bonus scheme for the people within the within the company to sort of, you know, have KPIs in terms of how they manage safety within the different projects that they're working on, stuff like that. We've seen evidence of that and said, right, we've saved that money. What are we going to do? We're not going to spend it on more of that training because that training has had no impact on the business whatsoever. But what we can do is we can incentivize the guys on a particular project because if they do look well on this particular project, it means we're going to win more projects. So, you know, we're going to have some KPIs for the guys to sort of to meet. And if they do that, we're going to give them a bonus at the end of the year. Things like that have happened. In other cases, we looked at training models where companies have spent absolute fortune on health and safety programs where they've kind of been, it's been marketed to them really well. And, you know, the marketing of some of these programs is totally embracing and endearing and you go oh my god i have to have this this and you know all the other construction companies have this and when you look at what falls out of some of these programs you go you're actually getting no value for that program whatsoever and well what do you mean i says well you have you measured and this is a a thing that we found as a constant team and talking to, to clients regardless of your size not they're not measuring the impact of what the output was of some of these training courses and therefore, they can't turn around and and have an open discussion with me, for example, on the return on investment that they got for all the thousands that they spend on some of these programs. So there's a lesson for, you know, the companies that are, you know, multi-billion pound companies, all the way down to the, you know, one man in a van type company of being smart with your money. You know, your money's, you, you've worked hard enough to make this money. You've put a lot of time resources into it sort of your business and so you know we don't want you just to throw out the money that's what we're saying here is we don't want you just to sort of start throwing money at different areas because you have a bit of a slush fund that you've built up or, or it makes it look good in front of the client no we want you to be targeted in, in, with your money and you know a book goes through every different department within any business and it's funny when we were writing the book when I, when I was going through the research Health and safety has a touch point in every part of every facet of every business. And so we were able to go into every different department and look at it and go, okay, so it's an office. So what are we looking at here? Well, it's full of paper. It's everywhere. Okay, can we reduce the paper within the office? So it means then that we don't want, we might not have to do manual handling for a whole section of the office because now they're not doing any manual handling of lifting printing paper out of the filing cabinets over to the to the, to the copier and, and so on and so forth. Very, it might seem like a very minor uh, type of a, um, of a scenario, but if you multiply the amount of offices and mental locations and the amount of times that you're doing training and the amount of people that you come into your business that you have to retrain because you've lost other people on these programs and stuff like that, you know, why have we not just looked at trying to, take the paper out of the out of the equation. It goes back to actually 
the logics of risk assessments as well. If you look at the hierarchy of control, however, you know, some people feel that they can't get away from having the paperwork. We have to have this. Do you? Mm-hmm. Show me and demonstrate. Let's have a look and an analytical approach towards how much paper do you actually need and how much are you going through and how much is actually, you know, it costing you on, on this and then add the training costs on top of that and add the amount of time that people are losing to do this training. And so it was, it was, that was another good exercise we did with a company is they were able to tell themselves, well, we don't need to do this training anymore. We don't need the paper for that particular department. But for other departments, yeah, there was, you know, there was there was no getting away from it. They needed to have the paper that they had. But now they were starting to put in systems that, you know, they could grow those systems as a sort of a, an ecosystem within their own business. Yeah, no, that's excellent. I'm just I'm just having a look at the book right right now. I'm, for those who don't know, you can grab it from uh, Amazon. Amazon.com. It's from the States. For some reason, it's only distributed from the their States, Amazon.com website. It's not from some of our UK and Ireland guys are not happy because of Brexit, was what yeah. I was told. Uh, <laughs> blame everything on Brexit. Blame everything on Brexit, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, really, the Tom, the, the workplace safety and the budget, like, it, it, it kind of took off in, in that sense. And I, I, my main my main goal was to try to get to the small to medium enterprise where I my own business model had. To exc- Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Loaded all of that market because we had built up a cost base within our own business coil group that we couldn't actually provide services to small to medium enterprises because we just had a, a high cost structure um, of the guys that we were using. So it, it really came out of a, an angle to sort of, well, how can we do something for the small to medium enterprises? And then when we were talking to these guys, they were like, oh, safety costs too much money and, you know, it's too complicated and it's too this and it's too that. And, but it's not. Unfortunately, we've had, we do have people within the safety industry that nearly revel on, com- on, on the complexity, on what the perceived complexity of safety is. And it's not that it's not that complex and it shouldn't be made complex. It should be part of your whole tool process as a component, bricklayer, carpenter, electrician, plumber, whatever it is. It's part of your whole setup as a professional tradesperson. 
And it's something that you do as part of an integrated approach to have, to delivering the job. It's not a bolt on. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. It, it's it's part of a holistic process. All right, going to ask you a tough question. In your experience, small to business, small to medium businesses in Ireland, do business owners in those that sort of area care about safety, or is it still like you've mentioned before, a pain in the neck, a, a compliance mechanism? I think the day of coming across the reckless attitude of just get it done is gone. Uh, I, I'm, I'm I'm confident that 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 day I remember that day or just just get it done. I don't care. Just get it done. That day is gone. The language has changed. If anything, uh, Tom, uh, that I see over the years, it's much more of a well. I need to be careful here the way I approach uh, the worker and the way I talk to the worker and the way we interact and communicate because uh, the legislation does carry so much weight on the worker and then on the employee mm. that the employer has no other option but to make sure that they have their P's and Q's in order when they're going to, you know, discuss or have a, a discussion about that safety. So that, that's a plus, if anything, because, you know, people are not slaves. Yes, they're still the master-servant role, but you know the, the language was a, was a big thing and how people were being spoken down and spoken down to that day is gone people secondly people in my from my observation people are not reckless or they don't mean to be reckless and they don't go out of their way to be reckless they genuinely want to get the job done mm. yeah it's, uh, if anything if any sorry but if anything what we found is where there's one person that has total control of the whole business and total say and everybody cannot do or move or say anything without the authorization for that one person that is the only areas that we found whether it's been a problem a major problem with health and safety and 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 i'm not talking about a small to medium enterprise i've come across uh, you know a couple of hundred million uh, dollar companies where there's one man in charge and it's that this dictatorship and the fear factor and by Jesus, he's done it and he's a multi-millionaire. So you better just take his word for it. And you, you hear the stories about how he, you know, went in and challenged this fellow and he, you know, shoved him across the table and said, look, if you don't get this done, you know, you're not going to have the job. And because he had the power of the money mm. and this, and he, he'd gone, you know, he'd, he'd gone through the, the whole stages of entrepreneurship up to multi-millionaire status. People are sitting back and going, well, this guy has done it, so, you know, there must be something, he must be doing something right. But to be honest with you, it's so isolated, you couldn't hire, you couldn't hire the industry with the same brush. Yeah, no, that's good, that's good. You may have already tinkered with the answer for this earlier, but in your opinion, does larger legal penalties make a difference to workplace safety at the front line? Yes, they do. And I would only say that yes, they do. It only It's only happened in the last couple of years. And I'm nearly sure uh, in Australia, they're thinking on the same logic. So there was a landmark case in Ireland, for example, where the judge said that he was going to reserve the judgment on the actual case 
until you've seen the balance sheet and the profit and loss uh, spreadsheet from the audited accounts from the previous years. And so he was going to make a determination on the fine based on the spreadsheets that was being presented to him by the, by the, by the audited accounts. And I'm not sure if that's the case in Australia, but that actually was, whoa, a win-win. Because, you know, it was a landmark case and it only happened a couple of years ago. But, you know, in that case, now we're starting to see it's, it's yeah, you're going to get a fine slap on the wrist. It's not a slap on the wrist anymore. Mm. You're now, you could now, your your whole business could just nosedive because this judge has it within his own authority that he can look at your balance sheet and make it a determination on the, the fine based on your profits and your net profit. Mm. Yeah, that's significant. All right. You've been in the industry for like 25 odd years, somewhere around yeah. there. Yeah. Okay. Is, was there one person or one author or one book that's significantly changed or shaped your your views on safety? I would say no to that. I don't think you ever stop learning. And I don't think anyone has the silver bullet. I don't think anyone has the, you know, I think, you know, again, going back to, there's a lot of noise in health and safety. There's a lot of so-called people that are, you know, I'd call them charlatans that are out shouting <laughs> the top and, you know, and they get gather a bit of an audience and they go, just there might be something in this. And then you look back and you go, no, that's just a sales, that's just a sales yes. pitch really behind that. <laughs> so like, you know, I trust and I, I've met some fantastic people and, you know, they're, they tend to be behind closed doors. They're not sticking their heads out on YouTube or even to do a podcast, you couldn't either never even dream to do a podcast. Mm. You know, these are the guys who just go about their work every day and it's just natural to them. And I buzz off those type of people. Like I get great satisfaction out of meeting those individuals and listening to the stories. And, you know, they're very measured people. And, you know, you kind of have to extract this information. And we, we speak a lot about it to business owners is to try and harness the expertise and the, the longevity of the, the knowledge that these boys can transfer, trans, transfer onto other people within the organization so that, you know, when these people retire, that they leave a bit a legacy behind them. And again, I don't think enough has been done about that. Yeah. I, I, I love the thought of leg, legacy being left behind. I Now I'm getting a bit older in years now. I, it's something I... I I firmly believe that we actually have to think about what we leave behind for those who follow after us. So yeah, I thoroughly agree with you on that. Just a couple of quick quest, quick questions, Gavin. All right. Yeah. Gavin Coyle's definition of safety is? Acting people's livelihoods. Good, good. Um, Any reason I ask that is just because I think we could sit a dozen safety people in a room and put put a little cone of silence around them and we could ask them and we, we, we'd struggle to find exactly the same definition. So it's always interesting to me to find out what people think it is. The second one is, it's an, again one that a lot of people debate to and from and I'm, I don't have, I'm not smart enough to have an opinion, Kevin. I don't know what you're asking me. <laughs> safety culture. Is it something that's real? A short answer on that would be difficult, I would suggest, Tom. I've just finished a 
safety culture assessment tool and I've looked and we've researched the HSE in the UK and their version and their model, if you like, on safety culture. And then we looked at the SCAT model in the USA and how they've looked at safety culture. And then I've looked at the Aviation Centre. And an interesting thing came out of the research was there's a national culture that people don't probably take into consideration. And then you obviously have a business culture and then you have a safety culture. And I think people have tried to pigeonhole safety culture as it's one, it's a one thing. Mm. Safety culture is really just a survey of the health of where your 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 workforce, in my in my opinion, where your for, workforce feels your company is in terms of managing health and safety. That's it, in my in, in my estimation. But that then should integrate into the overall business culture, and it should be fluid. It shouldn't have, there shouldn't be any sort of restriction in that in that communication. But I, I, the added layer from the aviation industry of a national culture was interesting to me. Yeah. Look, I, 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 w- I can't ever say that there's a wrong or right thing for these definitions. It's just interesting to get other people's points of view. The fact that you've done some research and that tells me I did ask the right question because I'm a bit more learned than me. All right. Getting towards the end here, Gavin, what's... What's in the future? What are we looking for for from Gavin Coyle in the future? Well, I think for the future for health and safety, I would be concerned to be, and I don't want to be put the fear factor out. We've got an aging workforce, mm. especially in health and safety. We've got an aging workforce. We have a lot of demand production output across the world with a lack of labor or a lack of available labor. It's probably the labor's there, but whether the people want to do some of the work that has to be done to achieve the projects and everything else that has to be done is another thing. And without getting into the global macroeconomic outputs of which I have no authority on, from a safety perspective, I can only see a pressure being put on safety globally in the next five to 10 years based on the mix that's in there at the moment. Still the race to finish jobs as Mm -hmm. fast as ever. There's still, you know, this sort of, you know, moving on, next job, next job. And the capacity of the companies that are trying to meet the expectations of these projects, I fear for the capacity of those companies that they're they're winning projects and they probably should be saying a lot more no's than yes, and they're not. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so there's a brain drain that we number one we don't have enough health and safety people that's recognized globally and mm. uh, number two the workforce is just not there so then we've got a competency issue on the ground and number three you know the projects are still going as fast as ever they were bleak it is but it's actually based in reality i'd suggest we we, we certainly are struggling for labor as you said available labor over here and have for the last two years and I don't see it getting better in the short term either. All right. I'm going to ask you a question and you can choose not to answer this one. You've talked about training programs. You've talked about some of these sales gimmicks. Do you care to name any of them? When we talk about my biggest, and this, I don't want to talk about one particular company because a lot of companies have jumped the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. I have no issues with e-learning. I think it was a, it was a great innovation. And innovation mm-hmm. is something that hasn't been to the forefront of health and safety, let's be fair about it. A lot of other comp- industries have moved much more ahead of us 
but what a bugbear of mine would be the mental health side of things where mm. there's been a sort of a, a marketing guru push on you know we need to introduce uh, mental health programs within the workplace and i see it in europe where they now have mental health first aiders mm. and you're going oh my god you know if a guy's having a down day or a bad day that he can go up to the crane driver or the teleporter driver or the tradesman or the the girl in the office or whatever and say i'm having a bit of a bad day you're the mental health first aider do you mind if we have a chat and then like you know seriously guys we're, we're we're really bordering on very thin ice with regards to people's personal mental issues which i i acknowledge that we should do something but should be done in the in the, in the spirit of thank you for informing us we're uh, very grateful that you would share that information with us we now need to understand what are you doing as an individual to sort of solve this issue for yourself and and then based on that then we'll produce a, a risk assessment within our own environment so that we can allow for you as a person to perform at the best of your ability but that's that's not the what that's just not not that's not what's happening what's happening is the industry is pushing everybody in towards doing mental health programs and it's blurring the line between home place and workplace and, and my from from where i'm sitting yeah yeah i can see that all right Kevin Coyle, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you tonight and I wish you well with the book. I'll just let you know, I just ordered a copy in the last five minutes. So apparently yeah, the 11, 11th of <laughs> August, apparently it's coming. So that'll be good. But the Kindle now, version is free, Tom. You're a good man, aren't you? Everyone, <laughs> I always say people should go out and get Kindle books because they, you can take them everywhere and it doesn't waste a lot of paper. But no, that's excellent. Yeah. Unfortunately, I've already paid for that. For the, for the Sorry, real, for, for real me. No, I, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> and I look good on my bookcase here behind me. But Great. unfortunately, we're run out of time, Gavin. Thanks so much for your time tonight. And I look forward to speaking to you again soon. No problem, Tom. And thanks very much for having me. And well done on the podcast. I really enjoyed myself. Thanks for listening to Health and Safety Conversations with Tom Bourne. Until next time, stay safe and enjoy the rest of your week. Do you have a story to tell about health and safety? Something that you've learned, experienced, or witnessed? Something that you think could help others? Health and Safety Conversations is a podcast that amplifies the voices of people from all walks of life, sharing their stories and experiences about health and safety. We're now taking bookings for recordings for season four, which begins next year. Whether you're a worker, manager, safety professional, or someone who's been personally impacted by a health and safety incident, we want to hear from you. Your story can help to make a difference in someone else's life. To book a recording, visit our website or send us an email. We look forward to speaking with you soon.